You're listening to Having a Chat, the show where we take interesting people with interesting tastes in music and talk to them about the music that they love. I'm Alex Spears, and for our season three premiere, we chat with legendary Runaways frontwoman Cherie Curry. It's been a long time since her Runaways days, and Cherie has now moved on to many new projects, including a new album that she describes as the album that she always wanted to make. So we're super stoked to have her with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. So before we get started, a couple housekeeping notes. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for tuning in to season three. Uh, getting Cherie Curry on the show has been something that I've wanted to do since the show first started. So it's really a treat to have her with us. A uh, couple additional notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps us out. And before we get started with our conversation with Cherie, just to give folks some context, I want to play a tune by her band, The Runaways. This is Cherry Bomb. Um, so, first of all, thank you again so much for joining us. It, it's it's really an honor to be speaking with you. That's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Of course, of course. So we're the way the way the show works is is we we listen to a bunch of different tunes. Um, we're going to listen to a bunch of your tunes. We're going to listen to a Runaways tune, and then we're going to listen to some tunes that you picked. Um, and the first one that I wanted to listen to um, is a Runaways tune, um, Queens of Noise. And the reason why I picked it is because you on your latest record um, did a version of it with um Brody Dow and the Veronicas and so I thought it would be a really cool opportunity to sort of get a sense from you of sort of what your take is on the influence of the Runaways I mean obviously you know there, there's sort of a multi-generational layer um to the idea of sort of women playing hard rock and roll music um so I'm, I guess I'm just curious you know what 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 is your take on uh, on how the Runaways have sort of pushed the envelope for women in rock and roll? Well, I think, you know, I mean, it was uncharted territory. I mean, we had Susie Quattro, of course, uh, but she was really it as far as rock and roll was concerned. And we were all so young and pushed together by Kim Fowley and thrown out on the road and, I mean, we we always hit resistance in the very beginning because, I mean, you know, it was a male dominated uh, industry. Right. Uh, so I think that our, our toughness and all that kind of stuff came from just having to be tough, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, honestly, when I look back on the videos and the music, I'm so impressed really with especially my son who's going to be 30 in february when he was 16 he wanted to go on on the road with his cousin trevor lukather steve lukather and my twin sister's son right. and i said how would you like your no fast or slow ain't gonna happen <laughs> you know? you're too young <laughs> but um i feel incredibly blessed that that this this band really was exceptional there was a magic with the five of us and uh that can't be denied, especially when you look at the videos and, and the music was great. That's why I continue to play it today. It's great yeah. music. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and, and, and I've heard, I've heard you say in the past that, you know, you never actually had to push the envelope, just, just your existence was enough of an envelope push that it really sort of, that was sufficient. And, and I'm interested in, you know, the, the, there, there was sort of a criticism that I have read sort of, here and there and it's it's not a criticism that i agree with to be clear but there were a lot of people who said that because of the sort of the male dominated audience they might have missed the sort of the feminist subtext of of what you guys were all about so i'm, I'm curious just what what your take on that is and do you think that that's something that while it may have been the case at the time the music has lived on forever and the influence has lived on forever yeah. And again, you know, I mean, when you ask me that question, I mean, of course, I'll be 61. I was only 15 when I joined the band. But right. feminism and all that, we didn't even know what that was. I mean, you know, all we knew is we wanted to play music and there, and, and, right. and we weren't trying to make any kind of political statement. Right. You know, um, we just wanted to show girls that they could rock and roll. It was all yeah. simple. You know, I mean uh that's why whenever i'm asked about you know be, um, obviously they think i'm a feminist and it's like i don't even know what that is anymore to be honest right. all i know is that we had a belief in ourselves and together 
that we were doing something unique and um and the music was was uh strong and it still is and we're just we just wanted to play great rock and roll and that's what we did Um, all right, so now we're gonna get into um, we're gonna get into some of the some of your newer tunes, um, and I want to talk to you about Boulevards of Splendor. Um, this is perhaps my favorite of the tunes on your new record, um, and 
in part because I, I find that your voice and Billy Corgan's voice, I mean, you know, I am a lifelong Smashing Pumpkins fan, but I found that your voice is blended really, really well together. Um, and when I saw, you know, fe the featuring Billy Corgan, I was kind of unsure of what to expect, but I was really, really blown away by it. So I, I'm, I'm interested, you know, you and Billy Corgan are both, I guess you could say kind of legends in your own right. Um, what are some things that you, that you two shared in this recording process, any sort of lessons learned from each other, words of wisdom that you passed on to him, that he passed on to you just generally, what was that like? <laughs> you know what? Um, and again, I, I, I was a huge and still am a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan. Uh, I didn't know what to expect meeting Billy, but he wrote that he was the nicest guy, uh, so giving of his time. Uh, he really came, wrote the song specifically for he and I to sing. Right. And, um, you know, it wasn't until, it wasn't until after when Alston and I saw breaking the band and all this about how difficult supposedly he is to work with. Right. I just never met someone nicer. In fact, even after we finished uh, recording the song, Jake, my son and I had written a song that we sent to Billy and uh, who was on hiatus writing at some cabin somewhere in the Rockies, right? And, and he went out of his way and, and made a, a, a great video and sent the changes that he would make. I mean, who does that? Yeah, you know, seriously. he didn't have to do that. I mean, what a kind, generous human being he is. I just yeah. loved working with him. And um, I'll tell you, I was like a fish out of water with someone like Billy because he is a musical genius. Right. And uh, I mean, he's on such another plane in, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so I just cherish, you know, the memories of working with yeah. him. Of course. And it's interesting because he does have quite the reputation as being sort of, you know, difficult and, and this and that. But, that, but, I, but it's funny because it does seem like everyone that I have talked to actually does have just the nicest things to say about him it's almost it, it's it seems like this reputation almost you know comes out of nowhere exactly i mean look i understand because when you're somebody like billy who is just musically brilliant uh you know he wanted things the way he wanted them i mean that was that was as well in the studio with with uh, boulevards of splendor i mean but there was never any pushback or i mean we right. wanted him this was a Billy Corgan tune and uh, he, but, but it was just a, an amazing experience giving, giving wonderful, extraordinary right. guy. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you see your role being? I mean, you know, like the, 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 the sort of the guest lineup on this record is just really, really impressive. So what do you see your role being when you kind of have these people coming in who are, you know, like Slash, Duff, Billy Court, like th these are some of the biggest names in rock and roll. And, and, you know, and it sounds like Billy came in with sort of his idea of what the song was going to be. So what do you see your role being when you're in a situation like that? You know, I just humbled, just humbled by all of it because, uh, you know, just 20 years ago, I thought the runaways were all but forgotten. I didn't think mm -hmm. we had even made a splash. Mm -hmm. So to see people, come out of the woodwork, these big names and support me the way they did. Uh, it will always be humbling for me. Um, 
and I'm such a huge fan of all of theirs, you know, so it was right. just a really special uh, experience in my life. I'm so, so grateful to all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because the Runaways to me, I think like many people in my generation, I first heard about you guys through the movie. Um, so what, what are some just, I guess, out of more personal interest, what are some misconceptions that you think that people of my generation may have about the band, um, large, in, in part perhaps because, you know, we, we have learned about the Runaways through just like the rock and roll lore almost, you know, just the kind of the legend, as it were. Well, you know, I mean, you, you, the movie just scratched the surface. So that, right. I mean, I would think, you know, it, and, I, and I, this isn't pushing my book, Neon Angel, Memoir of a Runaway. I just did the audio version of it that was, is just so riveting and right. was very difficult and, and hard right. to listen to, I'm sure, for anybody. But, uh, I mean, that, I think that if you really, really want to get the gist of what happened in that band, because I mean, I held nothing back. I, I talked about all of it. And, uh, um, you know, I would suggest people look into the audio or the book itself. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was, we were only together just a couple of years and mm -hmm. we worked nonstop and, and, uh, you know, we flamed out in, in a big ball of glory. I'll tell you that mm. much. <laughs> it yeah. was just, no rest and and no support and no relief and uh um it was bound to to implode and that's what happened yeah but yeah, but we believed in what we were doing and and i'm glad that uh that people seem to still think highly of the group
So now we're going to get into uh, a couple of tunes that you picked. Um, you picked uh, a Bowie tune, Changes. And, you know, it's no secret you are an enormous David Bowie fan. Um, and I'm interested. My understanding is that it was your first concert. And I've read that you have said that it was what turned you in uh, from a surfer chick into the person who would become the lead singer of The Runaways. So I kind of wanted to just explore what that first concert was like and what happened in that first concert that allowed you to sort of have that shift. Wow. It's, I guess it's almost like I, watching a volcano erupt or something that's just uh, something unexpected, something that's life-changing. And that's what the Diamond Dogs uh, concert was for me when I was 14, just, just turning 15. Um, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And he was God, you know, yeah. to me. And um, of course I'd been, Changes was a big hit at the time. And I was going through all kinds of stuff myself and, and he just seemed to understand it. You know, for me, he seemed to understand the things I was going through in, through mm -hmm. his songwriting, whether he did or not, I think he did. But mm -hmm. um it, it was just a life altering concert. And when I walked out, I walked in this surfer girl and I walked out knowing I was going to be on stage and be a singer. Mm -hmm. And I'd never done that before, but I just knew it. It was just like the skies opened and, and it was, it was an amazing revelation. Yeah. That yeah. Night. I mean, so, so how, how have you, has that influence of Bowie sort of stayed with you? Um, you know, I'm real, I'm, I'm interested in sort of bringing this back into your, to your newer stuff. I mean, is, is Bowie still sort of front of mind um, for you as you, as you sort of approach uh, new projects and things like that? You know what? I think he's always going to be a part of me because when I first joined the Runaways, of course, in Joan as well, Susie Quattro was Joan's persona David Bowie was mine. Mm -hmm. And so, because we didn't really know who we were and Lita had Richie Blackmore. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we kind of pretended to be our idols is what we right. did until we found out who we really were. It took time. I mean, it took time, mm -hmm. a lot of concerts and a lot of, you know, uh, revelations uh, on stage and getting, getting comfortable within our own skin because, you know, at 15, 16 and, first time ever on a stage, right. you know, you don't really know what's who you are. Um, he'll always, you know, even, even when I sing today, I mean, I, I, I actually hear a little bit of, of, of his influence. So 
you know, I mean, he'll always be a part of me. Still don't know what I was waiting for And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets And every time I thought I got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me I've never caught a glimpse How the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Ch-ch-ch-changes Turn and face the strain Ch-ch-changes Don't wanna be a richer man Next up, we're going to talk about uh, our dear friend Elton John, um, and he. So, and again, and I, I was doing some reading about you, and you used to. You had this friend, and apparently, you guys would kind of back and forth. Your friend was an Elton John fan. You were Ellen, a Bowie fan. Yes. Um, and so, and you said that sort of your view has sort of changed with hindsight. But I, and I guess I'm sort of interested in having you expand on that. So, like, what, what in that sort of hindsight has allowed you to sort of appreciate the music of Elton John perhaps more than you uh, originally had. Well, I think Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is one of the greatest albums ever made. And uh, of course we would bicker back and forth, me and my, my dear, dear old friend, Ellen, because she was just a hardcore Elton fan. I was, of course, you know, we were just kids bickering. Well, Bowie's better, <laughs> no Elton's better. It was just childlike stuff. But, um, 
you know, Daniel and all these wonderful songs that, that it's just, it's endless with Elton John as well. I mean, uh, and also I ended up having a little experience with Elton on Thanksgiving. He came to my brother-in-law and my twin sister's house for Thanksgiving. Holy he cow. spent, he spent the entire evening in the bathroom doing cocaine, right. but that <laughs> But it was nice to spend the, the few moments that I did with him. Such a gracious person, too. Uh, this right. was way, way long ago. This was like 1980. I think it's like 1980 when uh, he came over for, for Thanksgiving. Um, but, you know, he's just, he's remarkable. I mean, yeah. what do you say? I yeah. mean, there's never going to be anyone like Elton John.
Um, so next we're getting to our, so we'll, it, we have this thing, we call it our, uh, our Canadian content quota. Um, and that's because on Canadian radio, 30% of the content played has to be Canadian. Um, Is that so right? The, yes, exactly. And, and, you know, and, and the, this segment is taking the piss a little bit because I find that far too, uh, the law was intended to sort of uplift new and interesting Canadian artists. And what often happens is you just end up with rock radio playing Neil Young 24 seven, which no disrespect to Neil Young, but it's, you know, it, I don't find, my opinion is that the law doesn't do what it's meant to do. But anyway, I digress. Um, you have picked Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, uh and and you are not the first person to pick Gordon Lightfoot, um, but I'm I'm curious. Just on a personal note, what do you like about Gordon Lightfoot? The love is deep. The love is deep for him. His songwriting, his voice. I met him at the Universal Amphitheater as well. Um, went and saw him perform back in '93, uh, and uh, oh. I just, I mean, I just think he's got one of the greatest voices of all time. And he's one of the greatest writers, I believe, as well. You know, uh, so unique. And I adore him. That's all I can say. Just adore him. Yeah. Yeah. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Listen to the pictures flow across the room into your mind. They go. Listen to the strings. They jangle and dangle while the old guitar rings. The minstrel love the dawn is he not too wise but oh so free. He'll talk of life out on the street He'll play it sad and say it sweet Look into his shining face Of loneliness you'll always find a trace Just like me and you He's trying to get into things More happy than blue To love the changing tide He'll ask for nothing but his pride Just sit him down upon that chair Go fetch some wine and set it there Listen to the pictures flow And follow the fingers where they go Listen to the strings They jangle and dangle While the old guitar rings to love the dawn is near Just like a step and fetch it here He's like an old time troubadour Just wanting life and nothing more Look into his shining eyes And if you see a ghost Don't be surprised Like me and you He's trying to get into things More happy than blue Minstrel boy will understand He holds a promise in his hand 
talks of better days ahead And by his words your fortune's red Listen to the pictures flow across the room Into your mind they go Listen to the strings They jangle and dangle While the old guitar rings The minstrel of the dawn is gone I hope he'll call before too long And if you meet him you must be The victim of his minstrelsy Sing for you a song, minstrel of the dawn. If you read between the lines 
understand the feelings that you left. I never thought I could feel this way, and I've got to say that I just don't get it. I don't know where we went wrong, but the feeling's gone, and I just can't get it back. done um and we're going to end by talking about your latest tune what the world needs now and it's it is a beautiful tune i have to say it's been stuck in my head um like a lot which is always a good uh i guess you could say like barometer uh for me but it's 
it seems to be really sort of COVID inspired. And my understanding is that that is the case. I mean, certainly, you know, with the, the video, you guys are all kind of separate doing your own thing. So I'm, I, I guess I'm interested in hearing a little bit about that, but it's also a, a much softer side of your voice than I think perhaps a lot of people will be used to. So what was, so, so I guess there's two parts to this question. What was it like sort of, ex what's it been like exploring the sort of the softer side of your musicality and, uh, and, and, and how did this project come together in quarantine? Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you, first of all, of course, since I've been such a huge Gordon Lightfoot fan, uh, I've been singing his songs for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. And I was a big Dean Martin, grew up on with, on, with the, I mean, on the Andrews sisters and all that. So, I mean, you know, even John Denver, you know, mm -hmm. Barry Manilow. Okay. Right. Uh, the thing is, is that I've always loved um, that kind of music. Uh, I happen to be coming back from the 4th of July, coming from Nevada mm -hmm. uh, home. And I heard it on a CD that my twin sister had given to me, right. <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, and I, it was just, it just stuck with me that the song, of course, there's riots and all. And I just went, wow, this song is just so relevant right mm -hmm. now. And right at that minute, Dave Schultz called me. I mean, right. I'm driving back from, from Nevada and, uh, and he calls and I said, Dave, I've been listening to this song because he was thinking about us doing some kind of video because Dave mm -hmm. does these videos and, He's so talented and, and so much fun. And when I told him I'd been listening to this song over and over and over again, What the World Needs Now is Love by Jackie uh, DeShannon, mm -hmm. he just said, let's do it. Yeah. And it was that fast. Mm -hmm. And um, I called my, my PR extraordinaire friend, uh, Ken Phillips, and I, I talked to him about it. And he mm -hmm. said that he, would, he thought it was a great idea and that he would donate his time for that's why we get to speak thanks yep. thanks ken phillips absolutely uh, yeah and uh and dave brought all these wonderful musicians on board and i brought my friend julie reagans uh who is sang with me when i opened for joan jett at the universal amphitheater she sang mm -hmm. on a couple of songs for me live and she and i have known each other and worked on recordings for uh 25 years i think now and yeah. and it just came together beautifully yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, so we're going to we're going to give the tune a listen. But at this point in the show, before we wrap up, we always just like to say thank you so much for taking the time. And, you know, we, we've been Ken and I have been sort of emailing back and forth for uh, for a while now. So, Ken, thank you very much for uh, for setting this up. But we also just like to give you an opportunity to sort of let the people know what you're working on, where they can find your stuff and uh, and what they can expect from you. Well, you know, I certainly am hoping that I can tour on Boulevards of Splendor. I think it's it's the album I always wanted to make when I left the Runaways. And uh, so that is definitely top on my list. I've got another video coming out um, from my from the record. Um, I've done Rock and Roll Oblivion, and that'll be fun. Um, but otherwise, I'm just like everybody else. You know, we're just doing what we can and trying to keep people happy and keep ourselves uplifted. And, and I certainly appreciate you having me on your show. And thank you, Ken Phillips. 
Alrighty, thank you very much to Cherie Curry for joining us this week. A uh, couple extra notes before we wrap up. Uh, the show is produced by Hillary Johnston and myself. All graphic design work and promo material is done by Petra Walker. The show is also produced by 611 Productions. Uh, and full versions of the show can be found wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. And as always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And to wrap up this week's show, this is What the World Needs Now by Cherie Curry on CJRU. Just for some, oh, but just 